This is the All Pro Wrestling 100 Podcast. For November 26th, 2020, this is our special Thanksgiving edition. This podcast is all pro wrestling and only pro wrestling. I'm your host, JB. Tonight, we've got AEW Dark from November 24th, as well as AEW Dynamite from last night. Review and recap, we got over 30 matches and a ton of promos and bad gimmicks to get to. So let's just kick it off and get started right now. Happy Thanksgiving. Turkey Day. I might not even eat turkey. That's how over it I am. And speaking of over it, we're starting off with a Vipress versus Big Swole. This Vipress from Los Angeles comes out looking like the Vampire Queen. I'm digging it. She's got half black, half white hair. Half black, half white hair, half vampire, half hot-ass human versus Big Swole, who I was already over before we even started, and now I'm seriously done. I don't know if you heard, but Big Swole is a Crohn's disease survivor. A Big Swole gets the baby. She gets the baby. Listen to me. I'm sick of watching this unattractive female squash better gimmicks. She's not hot. This match sucked. She's sloppy, and now I'm supposed to feel bad for her because she gets an upset baby. She gets a baby. She gets a baby. And she's got a, a child. Well, yeah, half the people in the locker room have children, so I'm over this. I am sick of this push, and as soon as Big Swole loses to Sheeta, I hope to never see her on another push like this again. I got a lot of messages for Tony Khan, and if he keeps screwing around, I'm going to start atting him on Twitter. Apparently, Tony Khan is addicted to reading Twitter when people at him. He just can't help himself, so... Lee Johnson and Aaron Solo versus Dark Order 3 and 4, Alex Reynolds and John Silver. I feel bad for Lee Johnson. This guy has lost a lot of matches in AEW, and normally the booking makes it right in the long run, but I mean it. He's lost a lot of matches. We'll get back to Lee a little bit later tonight. Leva Bates, the librarian, gets a promo next. We have always supported Leva Bates, the sexy librarian with the blue hair here. She happens to be my favorite blue-haired librarian in all of pro wrestling. I'm happy she's getting her push. She's now considered the only librarian in pro wrestling. I like that. Now we're going to talk about some things I don't like. Michael Nakazawa versus Trent from The Best Friends. Trent from The Best Friends. Yeah, okay. And Michael Nakazawa, he comes out with Turkish oil in his trunks. I don't know whose idea that was. Taz points out that nobody on Team Taz shoves stuff, quote, up their ass area. I totally agree. You know, if you listen to this podcast, you know that I've had differences with some of the things that Taz has pointed out recently, but uh, I agree. Shoving things up your ass area is not pro wrestling. And when he ran in and he grabbed the nipple Jones, they call it? Yeah, nipple Jones? It's disgusting. I don't know whose idea this was, but if this continues on AEW, I mean it. I'm going to start at Tony Khan. You know what it is? It's market research. Yeah, they believed when they were doing market research for this company, they looked at what was over, and they saw some nonsense in Ring of Honor. And they thought they'd translate some of that nonsense here. Listen, Tony, if if Ring of Honor was over, they'd be in your time slot right now. Ring of Honor couldn't find over if they had a Sherpa and Google Maps and their own pack animal to help them climb the mountain to get there, okay? Ring of Honor has no idea what over is, and you can't be stealing their gimmicks if you want your company to succeed. So let's move on to something that I cared to watch. Red Velvet versus Tesha Price. I I put Tesha Price in second there. Because you see, I love Tesha Price. I was hoping that she'd win the match, but she didn't. Red Velvet is apparently the pick of Brandy Rhodes, so Red Velvet gets over. Uh, Tesha wants you all to know, though, that she's here to make, quote, all the bitches better. I mean, come on, that's a great quote. That's a quote of somebody who's going to get over at some point. So we won't be watching her lose to Red Velvet forever, folks. Sean Spears promos on Scorpio Sky. 
This is a sad day because I think we may have seen all that Tully Blanchard has to provide. Because much like Jake Roberts, if you leave these old guys on long enough, they're going to start to point out their age and how little they have to say. And in this promo, listen, Tully may be doing great work backstage to talk up Sean Spears and get him all confident. But when the camera's running and it's a pre-taped segment, nobody needs an old man talking over slash under them. And I would say in the background, he's not in the background. He's in the foreground. Tully Blanchard was closer to the camera in this promo than the guy the camera was focused on, which is stupid. And he shouldn't be talking over Sean Spears because it's stupid. And if you're trying to get Sean Spears over, you need to be doing all that stuff, all that talk up, before you're rolling tape. There's no reason to have Tully embarrassing this guy on something that you could just re-record. So, yeah, it may be time for Tully to actually be moved to the background instead of the foreground, but we'll keep an eye on it. Speaking of old guys, Jake Roberts and Lance Archer come out. They got a new song for Lance, which is good. I've been complaining about this song for 13 months now. So Lance has a new song, and it actually makes him sound like a badass and instead of like his little sister. Uh, a new song, not a great promo, but that's two weeks in a row. And, I mean, Lance has to get better at the promo, but the new song is a good starting point. And I do like Lance's presentation. I think just don't give him so much mic time. Let him be the badass that clears the ring and hurts people, but don't give him so much mic time. VSK and Baron Black versus Private Party. It's a chance for Private Party to showcase. Everybody's okay with that. Rochelle Chanel versus Kylan King. Now, as we all know, Kylan King is from Painesville, Ohio. So she gets my sympathy right there. And I was a big fan of hers last week and the week before and the week before. We just keep watching her job. But she finally gets to win one. Most of the match, though, was spent discussing how Taz doesn't know geography. So it's a shame that I finally get to see this girl that I've been hoping I could see go over, go over. But the commentators are making it all about them. This happens. Uh, Kylan faceplant slam. She calls it Kingdom Falls. I'm a big fan. She gets the win. Next up, Sammy Guevara versus Marco Stunt. For some reason, Sammy came out first. I love how they just screw around with the order of which people come out to the ring just to kind of make it seem fair for everybody. Look, Marco Stunt has no business being considered a counterpart of Sammy Guevara. Sammy Guevara is not his peer. Sammy is a far better pro wrestler than Marco Stunt. Sammy Guevara has the, the look of a champion, and Marco Stunt is Marco Stunt. So you can put him in last, and you can put him in first, and you can put him wherever you'd like. You can literally put him on the shoulders of a fake dinosaur. He should never beat Sammy Guevara. Nobody believed that would happen, and it didn't. Post-match, Sammy cut a promo. Just talked for a while about how great he is. Why not? He's literally working dark matches for YouTube. Why shouldn't he talk about how great he is? Next match, we have Dream Girl Ellie versus Penelope Ford. Now, there is no podcast that has been more supportive of Penelope Ford than I am. But tonight, I'm not going to put Penelope Ford over in any way because she used too much of her camera time to push her fiancé on everybody. Uh, Penelope, he gets his own matches. They have given this guy Rusev to help get him over. He doesn't need your help. So we're not going to talk about anything you did tonight. Penelope beats Dream Girl Ellie. Next up, Lady Frost and Jenna the Bionic Beast. That's her new name. We talked about Jenna last week. She's awesome. New name, same unique and sexy presentation. She's big. She's sexy. She dominates some girls, and she's in there against Ivelisse and Diamante, and this was my favorite match of the night. Lady Frost can wrestle. She looked great at everything she did in the ring, whether she was selling for Diamante and Ivelisse or whether she was flying around and leg-scissor takedown. She looked great. I enjoyed it. I would have been chanting fight forever, but it seemed inappropriate to chant that during Thanksgiving. 
It just seemed to not be in the spirit of Thanksgiving to be heard screaming fight forever at 3 o'clock in the morning in my neighborhood. So I chose not to yell at this time. But if I could get a return match on something that's not a national holiday, you best believe I'm going to be screaming. Jen is such a unique talent that she actually gets the hot tag being the heel in this fight. Uh, Ivelisse and Diamante were the ones supposed to be over, but it was pretty exciting when Jenna came in and was working on clearing the ring, but she got beat by good teamwork and a great finish. Ivelisse with a thrust kick while uh, Jenna was held by Diamante. Five minutes of sexy wrestling goodness. I'm a big fan of that. And considering it was followed by more nonsense from Brandon Cutler, it looked even better because Brandon Cutler comes out here in a stupid samurai gimmick. Last week, this guy couldn't even kick out of a pin properly, and now he's out here. Yeah, he couldn't even kick out of a pin. And, and now he's out here flexing his chest muscles and walking around instead of staying down on the mat and working his opponent. This was awful. And Adam Priest, I feel bad for Adam Priest. Adam Priest looked good in there, looked like a young AJ Styles. He's doing the best he can with Brandon Cutler. And it's not that Brandon's not an athlete. It's just not he's not a very good pro wrestler right now. Uh, Adam Priest made him look as good as he can, and I wish I could have been more into it, but I just can't stand Brandon Cutler. Thankfully, I had all I could stand to Brandon Cutler, and I got the waiting room with Rebel and Britt Baker next, and it's always a good day when you get to go to the dentist and see two ladies that look like that. Taikani comes in and interviews, and she was good. She's not Taikanti, by the way. She's Taikanti. And then the acclaimed came, and they rapped. Yeah, they rapped. I don't know if you're aware. These are rappers, and they weren't good. It's as if this guy thinks he's a real rapper and he came out to freestyle and he didn't write anything. Because there ain't no way anybody wrote that performance for him. That was terrible. He didn't write it. His mama didn't write it. Nobody in the back wrote it. Because what they would have written then is go out there and make a fool of yourself. Because that's what he did and it was awful. Next up we have the Gun Club getting over on KTB, Cesar Bonani and Seth Gorgeous. I didn't watch most of this match because the Gun Club are nonsense. But Cesar Bonani is a future star. He was the future star in this match. Had I thought he had a chance at winning, I would have watched the whole thing. He didn't, but still, he is the star. If you watch this, there's six guys and one stands out. It's Cesar Bonani. The next match is the most interesting and visually stimulating match of the night. And no, it's not a women's match. It's the Panda Express. Super e Ultimo Panda versus the Jurassic Express. This is the battle of the animal-themed fast trains. Some might say Jurassic is not an animal, it's actually an era of uh, the Earth's development, but I mean seriously, who's paying attention at this point when we're comparing fast trains in pro wrestling? Uh, Ultimo Panda is a fat dude in a full panda deal. He gets blowed up just running the ropes and has to take a break, and, and that's a shoot, it's funny. I mean, I don't know if he's really blowed up, but he actually puts his hands on his knees and Taz is like, look at Panda, he's blowed up. I mean, this was almost as silly as some stuff you used to see on Ring of Honor, but Ricky Stark says this will be the last time anybody calls a Panda match on AEW Dark, and I have to hope that he's correct. That was a good call. Jurassic Express wins, obviously. If they do bring Panda back, I hope they keep doing this. I hope they get blowed up running the ropes and rub their belly the whole time. Grief Garrison and Brian Pillman Jr. versus TH2. Brian Pillman Jr. still has that mullet after being burned last week by TH2. What is the deal with Brian Pillman Jr.'s mullet? Why does he have such terrible hair? It leads me to believe he doesn't have one friend that can look at him and go, Hey, I bought you a mirror for Thanksgiving. Seriously. Or a VCR so we can play a tape of everyone make fun of you during and after your matches. What the hell is this guy's problem? Post-match Top Flight runs in to save Pillman Jr. Because TH2, they just can't, they can't stop. 
they win the match and they just keep saying, hey, dude, look at your hair. Hey, look at your hair. And he just sat there in the ring and he cried about it. And, he, you know, he brushed his hair. Yeah, and then Top Flight ran in and they're like, hey, you stop picking on his hair. And they're like, no, he's got terrible hair. He's got terrible, terrible hair. The Dark Orders, Alan Angel versus Matt Seidel. Matt Seidel wins that one. Fuego del Sol in the 20th match of the night. This is the 20th match of the night. Fuego del Sol versus Pretty Peter Avalon. For those of you that don't know, it's PPA all day. How dare you? That's a great catchphrase, and if it doesn't make a t-shirt, it's because nobody but me would buy it, but I think that's a great catchphrase. It's PPA all day. How dare you? Yeah, that's right. Chaos Project, Luther and Serpentico take on the Dark Order, who take on Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss in our main event of the night. It's a triple threat tag team. Dark Order, Stu Grayson and Evil Uno coming out on top. I didn't expect that. This was a really cool tag team match. And as usual, Luther continues to manhandle his teammate, Serpentico, and convince him to do more and more dangerous things throughout the match to inflict at least an equal amount of pain on their opponents. And that's a really cool tag team gimmick. It's unique in an era where everything has been done. That was our main event in the end of a two-hour and 46-minute AEW Dark. And we are going to get right in now to AEW Dynamite on this Thanksgiving edition. Yeah. This was the night before Thanksgiving. November 25th, AEW Dynamite. They're all taped on the same day, though. There's somewhat of a crowd in the arena, but most of it's just pro wrestlers. Adam Page starting off against John Silver of the Dark Order. This is Adam Page's new solo push post being removed from the world title picture. He's aimless, and he doesn't know where to go, but he's not drinking, so there's hope. This is the story we're telling. Adam Page wins a great match, very physical, and afterwards, you know, John Silver, he cuts a promo. The Dark Order comes out, and they just offer to support Page. They're not there to jump him. They even apologize for their past behavior. And I can't help but notice that I ain't seen Brody Lee in a minute and a half. And I can't help but notice that on AEW Dark and now on Dynamite, they're talking about the Dark Order without referencing Brody Lee. And they're even discussing how maybe they have remorse about some of their past behavior. And I wonder what all this means. And I'm going to look into it. Don't have an answer yet, but that is a strange shift in tone for a group that was created and assigned to Brody Lee with all the hype in the world when he was released from WWE. And now, I don't know. Seems we're shifting the attitude and the focus a little bit. Next, we got a promo, Kenny Omega. He said a lot of things about John Moxley, and he even tried to walk away and f- forgot some. He had to come back and make sure to get in all of his beats. And he ends it by saying that he thinks his dad would, quote, probably beat the shit out of Moxley's dad. That is actually what we're, we're doing now. We're doing, my dad could beat up your dad. I don't know if Kenny Omega was born and raised in the United States, but that's something five-year-olds do here. So that's that's not very good. Yeah, that's no good. Next up, we got Powerhouse Hobbs. Yeah, that's right. Will Hobbs has a new name now because he was so uncharismatic before that we added Powerhouse in front of his name. Let him hang out with Taz, and all of a sudden now he's a star, right? Yeah, not quite. Poor Lee Johnson comes in. Lee Johnson fighting Powerhouse Hobbs. Lee Johnson solo in AEW 0-16. That's unacceptable, and I want to know how you're going to make that right. I don't know. Lee Johnson's got a job wherever he wants to go after this because he's proven he's a company guy, and he'll do exactly what you tell him to. He looks good out there, just never gets a chance to look good for himself. It's always making somebody else look good, and I don't know what Hobbs has except size, but 
They like him, so he gets over. Followed by a terrible Taz promo, and this is sad because it's one of the worst Taz promos that he's ever had. And, you know, at this point in his career, we you're not supposed to be hurting your legacy. This gets interrupted as part of the bit by his mics getting turned off twice. But if it wasn't part of the bit, I call that an ironic coincidence that that was written because had it not been written, they still would have killed his mic. Uh, Cody comes out and Taz wants Cody or someone from management to put over the FTW title as he says, put some respect on the FTW title. Cody brings up that Taz's son, Hook, is actually training to be a pro wrestler with Cody and not with Taz. And Taz says he's had enough of that and Cody made a stupid mistake and when Cody turns around, Taz puts him in a Taz mission. And it was sloppy, and Taz should have kicked him in the back of the knee and brought him down to his knees first because Cody is so much taller than Taz that it kind of looked as if Taz wasn't going to be able to hook it in. I think Cody did more work for Taz to hook in his Taz mission than Taz did. So congrats to Cody for selling. Top Flight versus TH2. Both these tag teams getting a lot of focus on Dark. Uh, They take each other on in a high-flying acrobatic contest where TH2 comes out on top. Which, the whole purpose of this fifth match of the night was to give the Young Bucks a chance to run in and steal everybody's heat post-match. They're going to come in and save Top Flight from TH2, because, you know, Top Flight can't handle TH2. It's hard to handle a couple of dudes that weigh a buck fifty-eight soaking wet, so... Next, we're going to have Vicky Guerrero with a totally nonsensical promo. She starts talking about nepotism and then just starts naming a bunch of random, non-connected people and claiming that they only have jobs because they're friends with Brandy, but it really hasn't done anything for their careers. And Well, okay. Is nepotism helping their career or hurting their career? And is it really nepotism? Does Brandy, did she know any of these people before she hired them? And she didn't give us any reason to believe any of this. And then she starts talking about Jade Cargill, and I just, I didn't get it. And I don't think Vicky got it. It made sense in Vicky's mind. And maybe it made sense on paper, but the application didn't work. And this is another example of, you guys can post-produce the hell out of this show. It's not live. So there's no excuse for these crappy promos. There's no excuse for mistakes in promos. With Tully Blanchard talking over your guy and Vicky Guerrero wandering on about nonsense. Just start over. Just start over. Next match, SCU, Kazarian, and Daniels versus Jericho and Jake Hager. Uh, Sexy librarian Leva Bates was in the crowd, by the way. I just thought I'd throw her in there since they put her on camera. She is, of course, my favorite blue-haired librarian. We have talked about that. This is a great match. Jericho and Daniel start off, and it's the first time they've been in the ring together. Excalibur tells us combined they've got 52 years of ring experience, and they've never been in the ring together, so that's a moment. Stiff match for three old men, I'll tell you. It was a good match. Uh, Jericho and Hager, I expect, will have a lengthy run as tag champions, and that should be what's next for Chris Jericho in AEW. Check it off the list. MJF outside with a sucker punch to Christopher Daniels, followed by the Judas Effect by Jericho and the pin by Jake Hager. Puts Jericho and Hager over on SCU. Our next segment is a contract signing between Moxley and Omega that we tried to do last week, but Mox couldn't make it because Mox misses work a lot. Mox attacks Omega during his entrance, and then promos for the entire segment. So this really wasn't a Moxley and Omega segment, it's just a Moxley segment, and it was pretty good. Uh, Omega laid there on the ground and let Moxley talk. I expect Kenny Omega to win the world title. AEW women's title, Anna Jay versus Hikaru Shida. Hikaru Shida, one of my favorite female wrestlers. Anna Jay out there with Ty Conti. I love me some Anna Jay. Uh, Ty Conti might be in love with Anna Jay. 
And to hear my thoughts on that, make sure to check out the All Pro Wrestling 100 After Dark episode. But right now I want to go into some production problems that AEW seems to have every week that I've never mentioned here, and I've never heard anybody else mention on a wrestling report, so I'm going to mention it. Why don't we talk for a moment about picture-in-picture? Now, I think this is ridiculous, and I'm sure you've got some advertisers that you have convinced that this is a good idea. I don't think any advertiser came to you and said, what I'd like is less screen size for my ad. So AEW convinced some people this was a good idea, and maybe it is. But it's not a good idea for the women's matches. I'm not going to criticize your money-making strategy. It just doesn't work for the women. Here's why. Uh, Number one, most of the women's frames are generally smaller than the men's frames. So from a distance and on a smaller screen, they are less distinguishable. And you can't distinguish one from the other on a smaller screen. You don't know the size television that your audience is watching on. Okay, so keep that in mind. When you go to the hard cam or any fixed camera, they're way too small in picture in picture. I've got a large TV, okay? Got a big old TV. It's bigger than the trailer your mama raised you in. And I'm telling you that when you go to hard cam and fixed cams, it's hard to tell what's going on in the women's match. Generally, the women have more intricate costumes and gear. The gear helps to differentiate them, and it helps to show that, showcase their personalities. They're told to do that. When you put them in picture in picture, you lose those details. And this was a title match. This whole segment with the intros coming out and a post-match that involved a third person. It lasted around 12 minutes, less than 12 minutes. You can't show a 12-minute title match without 2 minutes and 20 seconds of commercials so that you've got a picture-in-picture. This was a mistake, okay? And And this is from people trying to do too much and not paying attention to the details of what they're actually doing. Your final product is to showcase pro wrestling, and we all want you to make money while you do it. This did not showcase either of those girls. This did nothing for him. And this was a cool match. Normally, I clip matches that I consider great matches, and I put them in a folder. Pro Wrestling History. It's got the date. I mean, this folder is huge. And this match I was set to clip until I realized that over a fourth of the match was spent with a picture-in-picture. So it's a sexy match. There was some great spots. Told a good story. Too much commercial. It seemed to be more about the products they were selling than the girls they were trying to sell. So I'll pass on that. Uh, That ain't no good. Anna Jay tells the story of trying to work Sheeta's previous leg injury. Sheeta gets the running knee and the pin. Post-match, Abaddon is back. For those of you that haven't seen Abaddon or forgot when I covered Abaddon, I don't know, last year sometime, Abaddon is scary. And I mean legit scary. Abaddon looks like The Ring if The Ring was a horror movie. That's how scary Abaddon is. Abaddon's like the nasty ant of the chick that crawls out the well in the ring. And I wanted to see her last year. I don't know where she went. I think she was chasing Sheeta around a year ago, and then she just kind of got rode off and disappeared. Heel Matt Hardy cuts an arrogant promo. It was pre-recorded. Main event, Butcher, Blade, and Bunny with Eddie Kingston at ringside and on commentary versus the Lucha Bros, Ray Phoenix, and Pac with Penta at ringside. That's a whole lot going on. I kind of hadn't noticed that the Blade is actually Braxton Sutter. I watch Braxton Sutter and Impact, and I watched the Bunny, Allie, and Impact. I watched Braxton Sutter marry Laurel Van Ness and have the whole romance with Allie and, and broke up the wedding, and Laurel Van Ness went crazy, and then Braxton got released, and I never really paid any attention to the fact that Braxton shaved his head and got a tan and got in shape, and now he's in AEW hanging out with his wife. I had no idea. I had no idea. So congratulations, Braxton. 
Uh, it's good to see you back. You've been back. I just didn't recognize you. So that's my fault. I, yeah. Hey, you, you can't win them all, right? I've only had about nine months to notice. You know, to my credit, a little more time than I could have gotten it. This was a great match. Eddie Kingston sneaks over from commentary and trips Ray Phoenix on the top, which leads to the Butcher and the Blades finisher and a pin. Kingston and his team continue to put the boots down to Lucha Bros and Pac until post-match Lance Archer and Jake run out and save Pac. There was no build-up to that. I don't think there's any background story to that. I think what we're going to do is set up a Pac over Kingston feud. Pac will obviously win over Eddie Kingston. Eddie came in for a one or two off deal and he showed that he can put anybody over and make him look like a million bucks. He's also good on commentary. There's very little Eddie Kingston can't do. Sit-ups are about all Eddie Kingston can't do. So when it comes to putting somebody over and making them look good, uh, Eddie can do that. He'll be putting Pac over soon in a feud they'll have. But uh, this was a great Dynamite. Dynamite's always good. I'm always happy leaving Dynamite. You know, I feel like I watched five hours, five and a half, six hours worth of AEW programming on Thanksgiving morning because I did. Uh, and that is what they give to us. Dark just keeps getting longer and longer. Dark is a great program. I love seeing independent wrestlers. I love seeing them on a big stage, and Dark features a lot of indie wrestlers, so it's a lot of fun. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We're going to drop another special edition later tonight, kind of an intro to the All Pro Wrestling 100 podcast. I've been talking about it for a week or so. It's been in the can waiting. I'm going to call it a Thanksgiving gift. Thanks for listening. Subscribe where you listen. Have a good Thanksgiving. Make sure to think about and focus on the things you're thankful for. It's been a really hard year. For everything we all lost, there's a lot that we didn't. And we should focus on that today. For one day, let's try to focus on what we have. This has been All Pro Wrestling 100. Thanks for listening.